Hey, this is Kelly Whiffen. Thanks for joining us today for the Encounter Church podcast. We all want to live lives of better decisions and fewer regrets. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we believe the next 30 minutes can be one of the most helpful and hopeful parts of your week. At the end of the podcast, stay tuned for a couple messages. Thanks again for joining us today. Just watching you watch the video makes me smile, right? I think you just hear that tune, watch the video, hear a little bit of the music. You just want to smile. So if you're not smiling, it's okay. I forgive you. Because this is hard, isn't it? It's easy to say, stay positive. But let's be real. It's very, very difficult. Even this week in thinking about and preparing for this message and continually this series, I thought about, man, this is one of the biggest challenges we face. And it really comes down to our attitude. But before we jump into that, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Not really. I'm not going to tell you much about myself. I like long walks on the beach. I'm a Taurus. Um, no, I'm Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. And our lead pastor, Chris Causey, is uh, out of town. His family's out of town, enjoying a weekend away. So I've been looking forward to, to being with you today um, to start this new series, Stay Positive. It is super challenging. It is super hard. And I thought of this uh, saying this week that maybe you've heard before, and I've used a lot myself when thinking just about attitude, and it has to do with this glass. Is the glass, question for you today, is it half empty or is it half full? What do you think? I'm going to actually make you vote. I'm going to make you take a vote. Is it half empty or is it half full? All right, by show of hands. If you're listening online, I promise you this glass, I asked Ramon earlier, I said make sure it's really in the middle. And he did a pretty good job, right? He did a pretty good job. I say it's in the middle. If you're listening online or listening by podcast or maybe on Facebook Live, you can't really see it quite. It'll make you vote too, right? If you can try to see it. Is the glass half empty or is it half full? What do you think? Who, raise your hand if you believe it's half empty. All right, got some few hands there, all right? God bless your souls, all right? Here we go. Raise your hand if you believe it's half full. Oh, okay, a lot more folks, all right? Now, I didn't tell you there's going to be a third option for voting. Raise your hand if it's both. Yes, now, some of you raised your hand twice, right? Trick question, sort of, right? It's both, isn't it? Like, if it's really in the middle, it's really both. Now, this is a, an illustration that's often used for like how you look at things. In other words, your perspective. That you can look at your circumstances in a way that sees the negative, or you can look at your circumstances in a way that seems positive. But by the illustration, if it's, I can't scientifically prove to you, unless Ramon can in the back, right? I can't scientifically prove to you that it's in the middle. But if it were in the middle, which is it? The answer is, right, it's both. It is half empty and it is half full. I wish it were as easy as the scientific experiment when we look at our emotions and when we look at our positivity versus our negativity because we do not and often we cannot strike a balance or we're not even looking for a balance. We tend to fall on one side or the other, don't we? And for some of you that raised your hand and said, listen, I think it's half empty. Some of you would even confess to say, not that you did earlier, but some of you would confess to say, yeah, I tend to see the negative before I see the positive. Now, I won't do this by show of hands, but you know you. You know your personality. 
You know your emotional tendencies. And there's a good chance that you would fall clearly on one side or the other. I tend to see it half empty before I recognize that it's really half full. Others of you would say, no, 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 I tend to see the positive before I see the negative. There are, by the way, positives on both sides. If you never see the negative, God bless you, right? You have to, like, we can't stick our head in the sand and assume it's all well. If someone's speaking honestly about you and your relationship and say, hey, how's your marriage going? How's the relationship? Oh, it's great. And your spouse is like, uh-uh, right? No, it's not. Well, you honestly really do see the positive, and you're less worried about the negative, right? That's a, that can be a very positive thing. And some of you would say, no, I'm a, I'm a realist. I, I do see the negative, yes, but I actually see the negative because it's there. And I would say to you, to all of us today, that the quality of our lives, and ultimately even deeper than this, the condition of your inner life, your soul, it largely depends on your perspective. The condition of your life and largely even the condition of your soul, the inner life, does depend on your perspective. In other words, it depends on your attitude. It depends on how you see it, right? Because we've all been around and we can all see and we've all been there ourselves. When we look at this glass, and we see that it's half empty. We do see the negative. And some of you, you're facing things that are super challenging. And you're like, yeah, I, I do see the negative, but it's where I am. Many of you could even confess today to say, I'm not just in a tough day or tough week, but I'm in a tough season. And I've sat with many of you over the years and those of you that I've known. And I've heard stories where, yeah, you are in a tough season. And it is hard to stay positive. Fun video, pastor, right? Fun video encounter church. But honestly, it's very tough to stay positive. It's very tough to stay positive. And what this series is about is helping you to understand and see a new perspective on how you can transform your life by the way that you see it. And even better than that, God has a special plan for each of us. God gives instruction on how to do this. This isn't just some message about how to stay positive for Monday. This is deeper. This series is about really ultimately our, our prayer in seeing God help to transform your life and how you can stay positive and how you can um, ultimately grow in your faith through this positivity. So what's negativity? I first want to define it as we're talking about positivity. Negativity, here it is. Any attitude or verbal, or, or verbal action that sees the bad before the good. Any attitude or a verbal, right? So you can, it can be out loud or it can just be on the inside, right? Internal or external. Any attitude or verbal action that sees the bad before the good. What's the positivity? The opposite, right? Any attitude or a verbal action, words spoken or activity that sees the positive, that sees the good before the bad. Negativity weakens. And positivity strengthens. So what do we do? Easy. Just be more positive, right? <laughs> but we've already said, we've already established this foundation. It's just not that easy. I had a friend of mine in college. Um, I'll call him Nate. As you could probably imagine, his name is not Nate. And I haven't talked to this guy in a long time. Just don't want to use his name. Just in case he finds us online one day and says, hey, that guy's talking about me. We'll call him Nate. All right? 
Nate was uh, one of the first guys I met at the University of South Carolina. He studied music education and performance, and he was just initially just a, hey, loved this guy, loved hanging out with him. And the more I was around him, the more I realized Nate, and I told myself to focus on Nate because I'm going to say his name on accident. Whatever name I say on accident, that's not his name either, right? <laughs> Nate, every time I, I, I got around Nate, I, be, I began to feel this weight on me. I was like, why do I just not like hanging out with this guy all of a sudden, right? I like so many things about him. We were similar. We played the same instrument. We were in, like, musician groups together. We played some gigs together. I, I loved playing with this guy. And a lot of people like this guy. But I discovered after a year why I went from being Nate's friend to, like, like feeling a, like a weight came upon me when I saw the guy. The first thing out of his mouth, almost every single time I saw him was something negative. Something negative, right? I knew that there was a test, or because we were in the music world, I'd ask him about his rehearsals, or I'd ask him about his private lessons, or we would be put on the spot and have to play. That's what musicians have to do sometimes in class. And so every time, if I, hey, how'd the test go? Oh. He would just kind of lean back. I'm like, never mind. I don't want to know the answer. I don't want to know how your test went or what are you doing tonight. Hey, me and the guys are playing racquetball. I'm disciplined um, in a lot of areas of my life. I have undisciplined areas of my life for sure. But in college, I got into this routine. Right after class, I would head straight to the library. You know why? I did not want to do anything at night. So I got into this routine where I'd go to the library, do everything I needed to do. I put my rehearsals in early. And so almost every night in college, I would play racquetball. Okay? I loved racquetball. Dan would say, hey, you going to play racquetball tonight? I got to the point where I was like, no. <laughs> I just straight up lied to the guy because I didn't want to hear his negativity. And there were so many times when I was just around him saying, I want to encourage you, but I don't care anymore. Like, I, it sucked the life out of me. And I remember being a sophomore in college, being, and I started to recognize even my own negativity because I saw the negativity. It's easy to point the fingers, right? But it's easy for us to point the fingers right back at ourselves and say, yeah, I'm the same way. It drained the life out of me, as opposed to one of my friends, another friend of mine. His name was John. That is his name, right? Because he was positive. To this very day, I love being around John. Even though he lives in a different state, we still connect from time to time. A few weeks ago when I was traveling in um, Augusta, Georgia, we connected together um, to do a race together. We're still friends to this day. Every time I'm around John, he is so encouraging. And I just feel good around, about being around him. I feel good because of the words he says. I feel good just because he's such a positive, encouraging person. Think about the, the, the two polar opposites, right? These are the two polar opposites of two of my friends in college. Now, we're around this every day, aren't we? We're around people on those polar swings, and then we're around people that are in the middle. And I would say, for the most part, most people are somewhere in the middle. There's some times that we're positive, and then sometimes that we are negative. What do we do? What do we do about this? Some of you have frustrations because you're around the negativity, but you can't help it. Maybe you're around and it's in your family. Maybe it's a spouse or a loved one. Maybe it's in your workplace. You're like, I'd love to avoid it, but I can't. You're around it all the time. And I know and I feel it, not just back in college, but I feel it on a daily basis too. Whenever you're around negativity, there's something that happens inside your heart. There's something that happens to your mind. There's something that happens in, internally inside your soul that just takes life out of you, takes energy out of you. But then there's other moments when the opposite happens. And there's energy. There's life. There's excitement. 
it ultimately does come down to encouragement. What does the scripture say about it? Today, we're going to look at four different Proverbs. And I want to give you, inside of those four different Proverbs, I want to give you three different steps before we hit something practical at the end. But the three steps are this. Number one is step up. Number one is step up. This challenge for you today is to take responsibility for your perspective. Take responsibility for your perspective. Now, so far, all I've been doing doing is talking about other people, right? That's all I've been doing is talking about other people, right? Now, first, in order to overcome the negativity, you have to step up and take the responsibility to own your attitude and to own your own action. Now, this is a challenge to not fall victim to the circumstances. Because if I said, and you were really honest with me, not like after this sermon, if I say, how was your day? Of course, you're going to be positive, right? This afternoon, hey, man, how's work? Oh, it's great. You know, I, I have to be positive after a sermon about positivity. No, if you were really honest, so many of you would look at the circumstances that you find yourself and have very valid reason to be discouraged. You have very valid reason to be negative because you're just being honest. But so much of our response has to do with other people. And this is part of the challenge. Every single day, your positivity versus your negativity, your energy, be it positive or negative, your words, be it positive or negative, has to do with what other people said to you, doesn't it? It has to do with what other people have done. It has to do with your work environment, so much that is out of your control. And here's the challenge today. If we are going to overcome the attitude of negativity, and if we are going to shift towards positivity in these next few weeks, you have to take responsibility for your own attitude. You have to. I can mention stories throughout the scripture from Moses when Moses was wandering. And, and if some of you may know this story and some of you may not, but for hundreds of years, the Israelites were in bondage. And when Moses led the people of God out of Egypt, out of years and years of slavery and into a land of wilderness for years, not days, not weeks, for years they wandered, for years. They had every reason, even at Moses, as a leader, had every reason to be like, yo, we were slaves back in Egypt, but at least we had a home. At least we had predictable food. At least we had somewhat, at least some of them, a predictable wage. Why? To go and buy their own food. He had every reason to be negative, but he chose not to. We can highlight the life of Moses and see that he was positive. You can highlight the life of David. David, a king in the scripture in the Old Testament, was cited by, by really being a man that loved God really being a man that was courageous in the face of fear. But, but King David spent most of his life running from the enemy, most of his life wandering from city to city and in war. Much of what we know about King David's life is not just capturing the Psalms in the Holy Bible, but it's re- reading about his times of being in battle and his times of being in war. And I could show you scripture after scripture of him and his attitude, looking up to God and being positive. The stories go on in men and women of faith in the scripture. And so many of you know uh, people that are positive in spite of their circumstances. They are positive in spite of their circumstances because they choose to be that way. Everyone right now, I want you to say this after. This isn't rhetorical. I want you to talk to me, all right? I'm a pastor that likes to hear somebody preach back to me, all right? Can you help me? Everybody say, it's my choice 
No, you got to say it like you mean it. Say it with some soul. Yeah, there we go. It's my choice. Everybody say it. It's my choice. Your attitude, your positivity is your fault, right? Can I just point the finger? Your, atti- your, your positivity, it's your fault, right? I'm stating that in the negative because it seems to be a little bit more par- powerful. Your negativity is your fault, all right? Everybody say it once more. Say this time, it's my fault. Right? That makes you sound like you did something bad. No, no, no. It's my responsibility. It's my choice. It's my fault. Your positivity or your negativity, in spite of your circumstances, is your choice. The second one is this. Group up. Group up. Here's what I mean. Your energy, your life, your attitude, your positivity, your negativity will fall into the hands of those you are around. Everybody with me? Your positivity, your negativity, your energy, your life will fall into the hands of those you are around. Even though I just said it's your choice, it's your fault, it's, it's our responsibility, like it's you owning up, you stepping up into the responsible, being responsible for your attitude, the people around you will affect it. Look at this proverb. It's, it's a powerful proverb. Even in my days of being a student, a middle school and high school pastor, I used to quote this scripture all the time. Okay? If you have a teenager, watch out. You're about to take this and show this to your teenager, right? But it's not just for teenagers, right? This proverb is for all of us. Look at this proverb. Chapter 13, verse 20. He who walks with the wise will become wise. For a companion of fool suffers harm. Look at that. If you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. You like that? And that simple recipe? It's a principle, not a promise. Like, oh, I can just hang out with smart people and be smart. No, no, no. It's wisdom, right? If you walk with wise people, you will be wise. But if you walk with a fool, it does not say you will be a fool. It says you'll suffer. So the people you are around will rub off on you, right? That's what we like to say. You're like, colloquial terminology as we're describing the effect that other people have on us, we say, well, it's going to rub off on you. Your workplace rubs off on you. The people you go to lunch with rubs off on you. The conversations you have with your parents when you call to check in on them, right, it rubs off on you. The conversation you have with friends rubs off on you. The tone of the speech that you have inside your home with either children or your spouse rubs off on you, right? What you are around and who you are around will directly affect the attitude that you have. Now, in this is a problem. We're like, well, I, we, we discovered earlier we can't control it often, right? You can't be like, hey, boss, you're negative. I'd rather not you give me instruction today, right? That'd be, that'd be, that'd be great. Or can you be more positive on that? I mean, I know it's not like annual review time and you're the one that reviews me. I don't actually review you. Wouldn't that be great? Annual review time for the boss. Hey, can you be a little bit more positive? There, I, I understand. There are certain circumstances that are out of your control, but there are certain ones that are. That 10-minute conversation, you can make it two minutes, right? I wish I could give you an exit strategy. Some of you are thinking, ooh, how do you do that? You know, but like, I got to go to the bathroom, all right? Just that's a, that's a simple, practical thing. Just leave the conversation. You can minimize the amount of negativity in your life by leaving, and it's all about proximity. If you are around positivity, it will rub off on you, and if you are around negativity, it will rub off on you. What I said about Nate earlier 
um, to the day we graduated, uh, four years after meeting him, I was, I, was, I was in his area. I was in his proximity, right? But I can tell you this, it might have been once or twice a week, as opposed to a guy like John that I saw um, almost every day, right? Your choice of proximity towards positivity and negativity will largely affect how you live your life and how you see it. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, right? Think about this, this visual, right, of being sharpened. And what I, what I just said a few moments ago is it will rub off on you. This iron will sharpen iron. If you're around iron, someone strong, someone with fortitude, someone with a positivity, your life will change. Your perspective will change. The last one is this, speak up. And this is where I want to spend the majority of our time in this speak up. Because we're talking about so far positivity versus negativity. The two things, number one, the, the things that we are out, outside of our control, and then the things that are inside of our control. So far we've said what's inside of our control is your positivity and your negativity in spite of your circumstances. And then finally, the people that you are around. What about now? What about your ability to be positive. It comes with words. So speak up is really the challenge that I want to give you to be positive. And it comes with the words that you say. I know there's an internal aspect of that, like how you're feeling inside your heart. If I said, hey, what's your, what's the positive meter today? Is it a good day? Is it not a good day? Are you empty? Are you full? Right? I know that that ranges emotionally. I know that that ranges depending on work environment, family environment. There's stressors that happen to it that affect it, financial stressors, relational stressors. I know that the emotional positivity and negativity can do this. But I want to sit, and we're going to hit that in the series. But what I want to do is sit in this challenge the rest of our time together talking about words, talking about words and the, in, the uh, challenge of encouragement. Now, I want to say this. It's super hard. Have you ever found it super difficult to encourage others to be positive, right? Now, it's a little bit easier leaving some type of presentation or leaving a group environment where someone was leading and you say, good job. It's easy to use Chad's name sitting here in the front row. Good job today, Chad, right? It's easy to look around the room today and say, Nate, you did a good job on those keys today, right? Nate's our keys player. Zane, you did a good job leading us today. It's easy to say, good job. Everybody, yeah, yeah, it's easy. But there's something difficult about taking the next step, right? There's something difficult about taking the next step and actually driving into that. And I want to give you a practical something that you can do today. Before I do that, I want to show you two more Proverbs. The first proverb is chapter 11, verse 25. A generous uh, person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, let's just sit up there for just a moment, especially the end of this proverb. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed themselves. Isn't that powerful? That's, this is why we're talking about positivity and you encouraging others. Because when you are able to be positive towards other people, it actually changes the condition of your heart. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Have you ever walked away from, like, really being positive, really being encouraging to someone else, and you feel good about yourself? You know why you feel good about yourself? Because you made someone else feel good about themselves. It's a powerful, powerful thing that we have the opportunity to do. The last Proverbs is uh, chapter 18, verse 21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. 
The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Isn't this a, a great proverb? The tongue has the power of life and death. Can I get an amen? You know why I say, can I get an amen? Because you know it. At the end of your day, if someone says, how was your day? There's a pretty good chance if you say awful, it has to do with someone's words. It has to do with a text message. It has to do with something you read. It has to do with a voicemail. It has to do with an email. If I come home at the end of the day, you know, you come home at the end of the day, hey, how was your day? Man, it was awesome. There's a pretty good chance that someone said something to you. There's a pretty good chance that you read a story. There's a pretty good chance that it has to do with words. The tongue has the power of life and death. But it's a choice. Remember I said, it's my fault. It's my responsibility. It's on me. Look at the end of the proverb. Those who what? Who love it, love what? The choice of words, right? Being careful that the choice of words will do what? Well, it's fruit. You will be a benefactor from words. You will benefit from words spoken over you. Now, the tension of this message is that so much is out of our control. Because you're like, yeah, you're discouraged, but you can't make someone encourage you. Hey, I'm feeling down today, spouse. You got something good to say about me, right? Like so much is just out of your control. In some ways, con- consequential. Someone says something and, and they had a bad day and they take it out on you. You ever like in a, even in a public setting or a restaurant or there's a server not having a good day and you take it personal, right? You're like, what's wrong with you? You know, there's a, there's a pretty good chance someone just said something to them, sucked the life out of them, and they got nothing to offer you. It's not your fault. There's even a good chance that the people that you love that say things to you, it's either, there's, there's even a good chance that it's not your fault. It's, it's on them. It's not something that you did or did not do. It's not something that you said or did not say. It's on them. So I understand this tension. So much of this is out of your control, but so much of it is in your control. Here's what is in your control. It's your words. How do you today take responsibility for your words, your positivity? How do you draw the boundaries that you need to draw to get around the right people at the right time so that the right things will rub off on you? And finally, how do you use this incredible gift that you have and go bless the world, go bless your family, go bless your children? Someone came up to my son at a wedding on Friday night, and uh, I'm getting emotional before I tell the story. Someone came up to me and, and said, hey, and I, I did a wedding on Friday out of town. Actually, Tyler and Lauren White. Now, some of you know them. Got some noise in the back. Some of these folks that they actually serve at Encounter, which is great. I was able to officiate their ceremony in uh, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, on on Friday evening. And someone came up to me. This uh, lady, probably about about my age, she came up to me. She said, "Are you Josiah's dad?" And I said, uh, "Yeah." She said, "He is going to be a great husband." Now, this is a ten-year-old. 
I'm like, you hitting on my, my boy? I'm just kidding. I'm like, are you, are you single? I mean, I'm not married, you know. It's a girl about my age, and so she's talking about how great of a husband my son's going to be. I said, oh, yeah, why do, you, why do you say that? Well, at the beginning of the ceremony, now, I got a boy, and he's all boy. Can I just say that? He's all boy, a little crazy boy. And so I'm starting the ceremony. It's 5 o'clock, and it's a small wedding, and so I'm looking out. I don't see my son. What do you think is going through a pastor's head? I'm like, oh, my God. Goodness, what's he doing? He's probably on the eighth green. It's on the golf course, right? He's probably on the eighth green. He's probably found someone to play golf with. And maybe he's not in the county still. Like, where is my son? So they're walking down the aisle. like, where's where's my son? Where's my son? And actually, um, I looked up. And when Lauren, the bride, comes out, Josiah opens the door. I'm like, this guy made himself into the wedding party? What's he doing? I'm sitting there, oh, that's sweet. What's my son doing beside the bride? You can't make this stuff up. And so I'm like, all right, somehow he volunteered for the wedding, and uh, everything went well, and he came and, and sat down. And after the wedding, this is when the lady comes up to me and says, your son's going to be such a great husband. I said, yeah, why, why do you say that? She said, it's not often that a little boy like him uses words so articulately. And he looked to Lauren and said, you are really beautiful. And I said, well, that's, that's nice. I said, that's awesome. Thank you for saying that. She goes, oh, no, he wasn't done. He was working the crowd. I said, where, where, where was the guy, right? Where was he? She goes, well, he was around. He went in the bridesmaid's room. I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's where my son is. I see. I'm proud of you. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> he said he went from all the ladies. I like your earrings. He goes to the next lady. <laughs> she said, "She said, but no, he, he, he was sincere. Like, he really meant it. I said, that's awesome. Well, uh, when I, I called my wife and told them that what my son had done, I looked at Josiah, and I, I told this lady, I said, I'm so proud of him. I said, I try to be very verbal about encouraging to him. I try to be very verbal about encouraging my wife in front of my son. So my son grows up seeing a man love his wife. And so I said, that really, really encourages me. But on speakerphone with my wife, I said, let me tell you about what your son did. First of all, he won, all, he won the bride and the bridesmaids over. Oh, yeah? How did he do that? I said, well, he skipped sitting down for the wedding, and he decides to work his way into the bride's area, right, and, uh, and just begins to encourage these ladies on how beautiful they are. She goes, that's awesome. I looked at Josiah, and I said, Josiah, you can change a life by your words. You can change a life by your words. And if you use your words wisely, you will be a great husband. I'm so proud of you. The face that he had, right, just the smile, the way that he felt in that moment was incredible. The way he felt about himself. I said, the rest of your life will be charted by your words. Now, I can tell you some bad stories, too, about me. And about when I'm frustrated, and I don't speak words of life and encouragement to my son. It's like the how could you moments, right? They're like, dude, what are you thinking? Right? You're, you're acting like a two-year-old, you know, when, when, you're, when you're 10. I mean, there are these moments when we don't choose our words, but because of his encouragement to a bride, someone else's, the wedding coordinator's encouragement to me, my encouragement back to him, guess what he's looking to do next? Be an encouragement again. It's this, it's this incredible momentum that just builds and builds and builds, and it's all from words. The moment that I was one of the most encouraged in my life, I was a 20-year-old college student, when a mentor came up to me and said, Jason, I want to tell you something. 
He goes, and I've been a Christian for a few years. I started an on-campus ministry um, to really reach the school of music, right? Because they were like, I didn't meet many Christians around me when I was in music school at Carolina. And so I started a ministry, and he said, you know, there's something I see in you, and this moment marked me forever. You know, something I see, I see that you are a leader, but I see it's more than that. You are, he said, you don't know what I'm talking about yet, but you will. You are a leader to other leaders. You're a leader to other leaders. He spoke those words of me the next two years of my life. And I tell you, every time I was around Adrian, I felt like I was on top of the world. Every time I received encouragement, it kind of makes Monday worth living, right? It makes the next day worth going forward. Words are so powerful, just like we just see right here, that the, the tongue has the power of life and death. But those who eat it, not everyone, those who eat it and love it will, will, will eat and enjoy of its fruit. You will benefit from words. But how do you do it? How do you do it? I want to tell you three things that you can do. It's by a story of a guy named Mac Lake. Mac has been an encouragement to pastors. He is a leader of leader. That's why he's one of my heroes, right? Because his truth was spoken over me, encouragement. And Mac is a leader of leaders. And he wrote this article on the challenge of encouragement. Here are the three things I want you to think about. Number one is sincere, okay? Number one is sincere. Now, that's challenging, right? Because you're like, all right, so I want to do more than just say good job. Now, good job is sometimes sincere. Don't hesitate to tell someone that did a good job, right? Okay, so make sure it's sincere. I think we all know the pain of having a compliment given or something positive that you questioned its sincerity for one reason or another, but it's got to be sincere. It's got to be something that you truly, truly believe inside of you. Number two, it's got to be specific, all right? It's got to be specific. Now, I just said about good job today. It's easy for us to do that, but to be specific takes some more work, doesn't it? There's a difference in good job, and then there's a difference in telling someone, I love the way that you tell stories, right? The more stories you tell, the more you bring me in. You're a good storyteller, okay? So specificity is a challenge. The third one is strength-based, strength-based. When you are able to call out someone what they're strong at, it fuels their development. I was just talking to to one of our team members, uh, Jerry, before the service um, about kind of what she does for a living. And I said, one of my passions, I know one of her passions is people development. Mac Lake says this, if you want to develop people, one of the strongest ways that you can develop people is to highlight, pull out, and pour fuel in a good way, not bad fuel to blow it up, pour fuel on what they already do well. Not focusing on what they don't do well, their weaknesses, but find what they do well and just pull it out, right? Um, I've worked on encouragement for a long time in my life. I'm not great at it, but I try it and I work on it. And whenever she came up to me and noticed that my son was being an encouragement to others, it makes me feel good, right? makes me feel good so I can go to him and practice my encouragement. When words are spoken with sincerity, and then when words are spoken with specificity, and then when you're able to highlight what someone does well, you know what I love about you, right? A sentence that goes like that, it's going to be an awesome day. You know what I love about what you do? You know why I'm so grateful for you? Do you know why this church wouldn't be the same without you? Do you know why I'm glad you're my coworker, right? If I could just start the sentence for you and you figure out a way to do it, I'm telling you, you can shape a life. Staying positive requires you, requires you 
to choose your words and go be specific. Choose your words and go be strength-based. Choose your words in every single day to bring life and not death. You know who did this the best? Jesus. I love that we have the new, in the New Testament with four accounts of the, the, the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ our God. What I love about these books is we see the model of a man who constantly shaped and encouraged men and women by their words. You know, he said to the adulterous woman, where are your accusers? They weren't around. He forgave her. He forgave her. He spoke words of truth and life into her. He, he, he challenged her and told her to stop her, her, her lifestyle because it was not honoring and pleasing to God, but he sent her on her way encouraged. When children would run around him, guess what? And everyone else would want the children to go away. The disciples say, hey, you're bothering Jesus. You know, this guy's busy. And he's like, no, 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 no. Let the children come to me. He wanted to encourage those children and spoke words of hope and life to them. When Peter, Peter was a, a follower and an early disciple of Jesus who famously denied Jesus, designed knowing him when Jesus was being crucified on the cross. You know what Jesus did when he rose from the grave? Jesus showed back up to Peter. And instead of this, why could you? I told you you would, right? None of that. You know what he did? He spoke words of hope and words of life. And guess who was the first pastor ever? Peter. He led the church. Like when Jesus went to heaven, you know who the first leader of the New Testament church was? It was the very person who denied Jesus. Jesus spoke words of hope and life to people that disappointed him, right? The people that turned their back on him, people that let him down. He still spoke words of truth and life. And today, all the scripture, this big book that we can hold, this, I mean, 66 books of the Bible, thousands of pages. Let me tell you what it's about. God loves you. God desires a relationship with you. God sees you for who you are. God sees the positive. He's, he created you and formed you and knows you. And it is him who speaks words of life and truth in the scripture. The Bible is full of it throughout. We can stay positive. It's going to be us leaning on Jesus and Jesus' words. Not just depend upon us to wake up tomorrow morning and somehow encourage and shape our spouse's day. Because I know it's hard. But if we lean on Jesus, we lean on God and his words that were already spoken over us, we can lean into positivity. The rest of this series is going to be about taking those steps, moving into a life. And I'm telling you guys, I thought about this this morning. It is one of the most important things that you can do in your life is your attitude towards positivity as opposed to negativity. So I hope... As you lean into this, I hope that your faith grows. I hope that you, how you discover a God who loves you and a God who speaks words of hope and truth and life over you will shape your heart forever. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining us. Did you know we've created a free app just for you? Whether you're exploring or want to grow in your faith, the app is a great place to start. If you found today's teaching helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you on site or online at Encounter Church soon.